All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is a place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. It has been a while. Uh, for those of you who may not know, I recently had a death in my family occur a couple weeks ago. Uh, my great-grandmother passed at the age of 94 years old. Uh, so I've been dealing with that, uh, just dealing with uh, just life in general and dealing with losses. Um yeah, just dealing with that stuff, but still uh, managing here, uh, taking some time, took some time away to get my mind right, of course, uh, to revamp how I want to do this uh, podcast and this YouTube channel. Um, some personal changes, I'm still making some personal changes in my life, so uh, bear with me and thank you to the guys, uh, to the women and guys, uh, whoever out there worldwide or wherever you're at that's taking the chance to listen to me at any point in time uh so today uh, i do have a lot to get into i do want to touch base with you on a few things a few interesting things as well i uh, wanted to get into some of the news of course we have some stimulus checks to talk about uh we do have uh, that big snow drama going on uh well and coldness going on in texas is down in the south right now i want to get into that uh with the word on the street and also uh, we do want to talk a little bit about about our boy Tiger Woods. Uh, give him some well wishes. As far as far as what else I got going on with sports, of course, like I like to do at this time of the year, this is where we are at. We are late February, uh, getting close to March, so that means for college basketball, March Madness, get ready. Uh, I know my college basketball fans are excited, so we will be going over the top twenty-five rankings for this week. Uh, we have at least one more week to go after this week uh, for regular season games and we'll have our conference tournaments so for today uh, i will definitely get into some of the news like i said the top 25 rankings and some scores from last night uh, we are actually on the precipice precipice of a big big 10 matchup between iowa and michigan they're both in the top five we're going to talk a little bit about that and my thoughts on that game as well uh, we also be talking some uh, some nba action uh, some scores from last night uh, just a brief kind of look at some news and and also, I want to talk about Dame. And then also, in terms of the NFL, I wanted to talk about Carson Wentz and his recent trade. Uh, just some of the, and also some of the uh, rumors circulating, of course, around Russell Wilson. Uh, of course, the Raiders have been brought up in his uh, potential landings. I wanted to talk about those implications for the Raiders and why I think the Raiders are being put, uh, you know, put in these uh, situations. And also, I got a little treat for y'all. Um, I got a little treat for y'all near the end of the show after I get past all the sports and the news. So I'm going to keep it near the end. And then also when everything is all wrapped up, I plan on going uh, through the rest of my process through this week about what I want to put out and everything like that. And just to, what just what you can look up, uh, look forward to for an upcoming schedule. But let's get, go ahead and get right into it, of course. Let's talk about that big chill that's going down there in Texas. Uh you know, temperatures below zero, and it's not just in Texas; it's just all across the southern, uh, the southern United States, uh, stretching as far out as North Carolina, even in Tennessee as well. Uh, one of my favorite uh, YouTube uh, channels that I've been watching so far is this older car guy, older white guy, Scotty Kilmer. He goes over all the cars, and he's a car mechanic. Uh, he's just showing us uh, so far on this channel. He's showing you basically what's going on in Tennessee right now, uh, below below freezing temperatures. You got icicles on the car that he's working on, all type of stuff. Uh, let's break down. Uh, let's break uh, down what's going on in Texas because there's a few little fronts going on there as well. So, uh, like I said, big you know chill down in Texas. 
you know, devastatingly low degrees, uh, low, sorry, low temperatures. Uh, and, um, and this is causing very, you know, well, it's caused many issues. Uh, for one, we've had the, well, they had the power grid issue uh, where, well, pretty much the biggest issue was that the, the operation systems, the uh, any, you know, everything related, if you go to a power plant, um, you know, I can't say all those instruments. I don't know all those instruments names and the, the correct terms. So I'm just going to call them, you know, a general term, the instruments, the instruments used to measure the power and all that. Those are freezing over. Uh, ice uh, was interrupt interrupting uh, how they were functioning. The coal was, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, this, you know, putting dysfunctions into all those processes, leading to massive blackouts throughout the state. I believe over three million people uh, were without power. Of course, things have changed over the course of the week, uh, but just in, in in terms of some of uh, the, some of the devastation that's been uh, actually twenty. I, oh man, wrong number here. 20 uh no 3 million blackouts sorry excuse me but there's also been 21 people reported dead again this is in states in louisiana kentucky missouri as well states where they're not uh used to having these type of cold uh fronts uh the cold has actually even reached parts of northern and central mexico causing power outages is at, uh, there as well um but the deaths have not only been linked to traffic incidents like the one we saw on a major texas freeway i believe it was about a week or so ago where i believe just 100 cars just smacking up against each other uh causing a massive you know massive complications there but there's also been carbon monoxide poisoning as well because of people needing to use uh, their cars or their generators indoors to, to bring in heat because, well, well, oh, actually, let's let's take this let's take this fact here as well. There were over 300 monoxide cases last week in Texas alone. So not necessarily people dying per se, but again, people being coming in contact with being contaminated or poisoned, uh, needing to get you know emergency assistance uh now again this is again partly because again the power is out also uh pipes because they're not properly insulated in these states because they're not used to the cold they they're not used to these uh extremely cold temperatures these pipes are not properly insulated and they're bursting within people's houses so you have a uh, monster uh you know insurance well not insurance but you know repair prices i'm already seeing that now people are are really in a very bad shape um a tornado was also caused by a storm this same snowstorm in north carolina and they left three people dead and 10 people injured so this is sparking up a whole lot of stuff again like i said temperatures have been have been uh, have reached as low as zero degrees in parts of texas and this is, of course prompted a state of emergency again over 1.2 people did have, well, have gotten their power back on. Uh, there's still about about 2 million people still without it, maybe about a, a million at this point. Now, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, put a little bit positive on it because, again, these notes are from uh, last weekend. Um, now, failures in Texas, like I said, at the energy plants would occur in the fossil fuel uh, in, in terms of the oil plants as well as uh, the renewable energy. Uh, there was a, a shift over the course of a week. You kind of saw it in the beginning of the week, uh, last week, where the Republican lawmakers or senators, uh, 
you know, what have you in Texas, you know, any, anybody Republican in Texas was pretty much just saying this is the, the cause of renewable energy. This is because the cause of the wind turbines and all this stuff. They were using these examples, you know, of, of frozen over wind turbines as this is the culprit. Um, with that being said, though, and they've had to recently go back on these comments as well because it's not, it's, it's not really true. Um, and this is according uh, to Texas, uh, their own state. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas confirmed that gas, coal, and other nuclear plants lost 30,000 megawatts of power uh, earlier that last week. And only, and only about 25% of energy consumption is in Texas is coming from renewable sources. So listen to what I just said here. They're blaming you know, all these different renewable energy, wind power, solar, it's solar's fault, right? But there's only 25% of that energy consumption, or, you know, it's 25% of the source of people's energy, meaning the majority of people that are getting their electricity, getting their, all their, you know, yes, getting their energy are getting it from gas, gas, coal, or nuclear. So you cannot blame uh, climate, you cannot, sorry, you cannot blame renewable energy for this. You cannot blame the new green deal. Again, it's another way uh, again, in your in your time of crisis, that they're using political bullshit to to disrupt the situation. Oh, it's what Acasio's doing. It's what these new liberal leftist Democrats are doing. No, I, it's it's science. Honestly, it, it's weather. Uh, things are frozen. Things are not working. It's never been that cold. Obviously, it hasn't been that cold in Texas, and I believe it was thirty years. I'm I'm reading here. Um, so again. It's nobody's fault necessarily. It's the weather. Uh, well, I will say this, and again, I will keep you know uh, keep pressing this point here. I think a lot of people, when they get into this argument, they come at it from a the wrong perspective. Um, I want to thank my high school teacher, uh, Miss Trimlick, for all her biology and her environmental science lessons. Again, what you are not dealing with here, I keep repeating to you guys, this is not called global warming it's easy for people just to say oh well this is not the cause of it's easy to to to, to disprove the notion that this is not be because of man-made you know man-made uh situation here but in reality it it practically is uh it's and again we 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 want to use the term global warming so we can discredit that it's not a global warming trend necessarily it's not about it's, it's about climate change. It's, that's what the term really is truly about. It's about the changing of certain climates and the extremes of, of different climates in areas that they're not supposed to normally be. Again, this cold snap in Texas is not, uh, is not what you will call normal. That is a product of of manipulation of our greenhouse gases, of, of proliferation of them. We don't want to say that. That's why you want to keep everybody bogged down with global warming. Of course, you can't say global warming is true because it's not true. It's it's not real. Of course, you could it could be real because it's obviously not warm right now in Texas. It's obviously not going. You know, it's not seventy degrees right now. Of course, but it's again, it's a shift in weather pattern that they're not used to. That is an extreme. Zero degrees is an extremely low temperature, obviously. If you look at California, California has been 72 degrees almost the past two days. That's not normal February going on March temperatures. That's a sign of climate change. Again, water levels are rising. That's a sign of climate change. That's not global warming. And again, is it being caused by man-made situations? Yes. 
Sorry, we don't want to say that. But our consumption, our uh, our unwillingness to conform to certain ideals, especially in America, where we need to we need to produce excess gas, we need excess fossil fuels, we need to consume that. When it's obvious that we don't, and it's not renewable, and it's not here forever. We're not gonna. It's not just gonna sit here and be forever. Because why? The source of it is not ever. It's not ever producing. And it well, it's it's ever producing, but it's at a very slow rate. Okay, the oil that we have is based on billions and billions of years of shit decomposing. We're not <laughs> we're using all those reserves right now, and then we're gonna sit there. And again, don't get me wrong. Uh, there's co pros and cons to each of these different, you know, these each of these different sources: solar, wind. But to tell me they're all disaffected or we can't have a situation where we can cut down more on our emissions and allow for these new technologies to be put in. And I mean, again, this was a this was something that the state obviously wasn't prepared for. So you can't really point the finger at anybody. You can't point the, the finger at the oil companies. You can't point the finger uh, at the wind, solar, wind and solar companies. You can't really do that. Uh, again, this is just already a situation, you know, climate, climate changes that have already been in the mix because of what are what we've done to pollute so far and uh we have to be able to recognize that as a populist and not get into the political bullshit uh this is more corporate than political so again the corporations they've benefited from all the lax political laws the corporate uh, well and again you can blame your government too for not you know sticking up against these guys a lot and we can sit there and say what we want about texas and texas about how uh you know especially when they wanted to take that route about blaming renewable sources but let's just say this i mean texas can say all they want i know it might this might sound crude but let's say but let's just be honest here as a you know from an observation texas is a big whore for the oil industry sorry that's just the way it is and uh, for y'all to blame you know, wind so and solar energy that goes right up that alley. Sorry, you know that sounds like a like you know a, a beaten down girl, a beaten down prostitute. That's like, oh well, he's he's good or beaten down wretched girlfriend that's been mistreated by their boyfriend. But he's he's this, and that's how y'all sticking up for the oil in, industry. Cause I mean, in, in Texas, come on, you you sold out to them long time ago. That's why y'all get so much cheap taxes and all that. Cause your corp, your state's a corporate whore. Sorry. That's why it's so easy to live there. You know, let's just keep it real. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about these stimulus checks. Uh, we do have uh, the Senate. They are voting on the, of course, the $1,400 one as of, as we speak. Um, of course, it will be capped out at, I believe, at families making $75K or individuals making $75K, something like that. Um, of course, it'll be well needed. People still need jobs. Also within that package, they are trying to increase the minimum wage to $15. Of course, we have many people in this country believing that that's not possible. That shouldn't be done. Again, you know, it's semi, this 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 semi-class warfare that these skilled, these, you know, skilled workers feel that they have. Oh, we're special. I have a trade and I, I, I'm a welder and, and a person who's bagging groceries or stocking groceries should not deserve to live. They don't have a special skill. How dare you make them, you know, give them a livable wage, sir, Mr. Welder, Mr. Electrician, Mr. I work with my hands for a living and I've done this and I've had nothing given to me, but I work for a guild and collected that's provided me jobs and all this a union anyways mister i'm so independent uh sir um 
no one's saying that just because somebody, you know, let's say, for instance, somebody works at, you know, uh, Lucky's or your Trader Joe's or your uh, anywhere else that's not your skilled profession. I'm not no one's saying that they deserve to be paid as much as you dude. No one has ever said that or more. It's just the fact that we all, if anybody's above 21 and up, they need a living wage, period, point blank. Now, if that's the, if that's on the corporations and what they're, what they are trying to pay people individually, if that's, you know, based on the minimum wages, okay. If that's on the housing uh, industry, uh, that's, that needs to be addressed because there's too many people that are working without being able to provide for themselves. And you can say what you want and it's easy to say, well, get a new job, get an education. Well, how can you get a, a, a an education? Education, if you can't afford it, if education was free, if, if and see again, this is why I think in this country we're so we're so caught up on this silly shit. Like we haven't, we we will really sit there and have an issue with having healthcare for free, even though we're already being technically taxed for medical facilities to stay open, but yet we don't want free healthcare. We are being taxed for schools to stay open, but again, you know, hey. You know, let's let's pay for school because it means something to us because that's the American way. That's a bullshit way to think about it. Um, again, um, everybody should have a, a a proper wage. I'm not saying that your guy that's that's working part time uh, at the at the farmers market deserves the as you know more or as much as the guy that's you know uh, you know you know filling out your roof and all that. But again, they both deserve a, a, a decent living wage or access to, to such uh, resources. They need access to affordable uh, housing. Uh, it's ridiculous that we live in a country that's that, you know, caught up on uh, classism. Again, we, we, we think that we're so much different. Uh, this is not different than uh, the caste systems in Hindu India. Sorry. Uh, we, we try to say that we're so bold and so American. I'm sorry, guys. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, disenchantment that I'm seeing here, and it's just, and it's not even you know it's just when you hear these arguments against a, a fifteen dollar minimum wage or waging minimum wage or lowering housing costs costs it's it's like God like it it really must bug some people that if some that somebody who works at a McDonald's has a car does that really bug you does it really bother you that somebody who works at a grocery store can feed their family is is somebody working at 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 uh, at your at your mom and pop you know little music shop shop you know selling little CDs? Does that bother you that they are they're driving from point A to B in a car that they can finance? Does that bother? Does that take away from your money, Mister Rich Guy or Mister Carpenter or or Mister Oh I have a computer uh, sciences degree? Does that bother you that somebody else is driving to has a car too? God, y'all need to get out of that bullshit mindset, y'all got. America is fucking everybody over it. And I'm just saying, who want who wants to take it? Who really want I don't want to take it. I I'm, I'm I want I want more options. I want a better a better ran society. This uh, if you ask me is a lot of bullshit here. All right, y'all. Let's move on to the final bit of the news. Oh, like oh, almost forgot about the $600 stimulus for California. $600 stimulus for Californians. Uh, you are eligible if I believe you, uh, well, first and foremost, you have to pay, well, you have to not pay, but you have to take care of your state taxes. I guess you would have to pay that or not. I don't know how that goes for certain people. Some people got to pay for their tax. Some people got to pay. I don't ever got to pay. I always get a refund. Okay. Um, also, uh, you have, I think it is like an income requirement, but 
uh, again, to, to, to first, you know, really be eligible at all, you got to fill out your 2020 state taxes. Uh, you will be getting about six, you will be getting $600. I don't believe it is more for children and stuff like that though. All right, y'all let's move on to the last little bit of news. Uh, Tiger Woods, uh, he is in, um, well, let's keep him in our prayers and keep him in some good thoughts. He recently was in a car crash Wednesday. Um, he suffered a shattered right leg. Uh, this was after his uh, SUV, uh, SUV flipped over again. He was on his way uh, to a photo shoot with uh, rookie quarterback. Well, going into his second year, uh, quarterback Justin Herbert of the of the Los Angeles Chargers, and I believe it was Ben Roethlisberger. Um, that's not that important, but anyways, uh, on his way there, he was running late. Uh, like I said, he shattered his leg, uh, shattered his right leg, breaking tibia, fibia, uh, and fibia bones. Um, he had to be stabilized with rods and pins. And, uh, he also had to use those rods and pins on his foot and his ankles. And, um, he's alive, but, uh, his, uh, his future career in terms of playing golf, you know, is up in the air. Uh, he's already up to, I believe he's about 45 years old, uh, but, um, you know, all this kind of uh, puts a puts a real question mark on whether or not he can play again. But uh, let's keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Like I said, he is still around. He's, a, he's around. Uh, he's, you know, uh, you know, he's not dead. Um, thank God. Uh, we don't want to, you know, bring that out there, that type of energy into the world. But uh, um, keep him in your thoughts and your prayers. Hopefully he can uh, salvage uh, maybe some more playing time in his career. But again, I think he's he's such an ambassador of the sport. Uh, even if he couldn't play again, he's such a good guy. I think he's he's uh, redeemed himself from his affairs. And, I, you know, again, affairs are affairs. Um, they're not a person's entire, you know, personality. Okay, so uh, let's not get caught up on that uh, necessarily. Um, so, you know, I wish him all the best as a human being. I don't get caught up on too much of that stuff. So, uh, like I said, wish uh, put put some well ener uh, some well meaning energy out there for Tiger, especially if you're a golf fan or just a fan of his in general. Um, and uh, I'm gonna take a quick break, y'all. And when I get back, I'll be diving into some college basketball. All right, y'all. Let's get back into it. Uh, we're gonna get into some college basketball. Like I said, uh, we have these are the last two weeks of the season. Uh, we have um, the rest of this week, and then one more full week to go with selection, with a selection period for the the tournament being held on Sunday. Hence, selection Sunday. That's what they like to call it. Uh, so let's go and get in and uh, get into it with the top twenty-five for this week. Uh, starting off at number twenty-five, we have Tennessee coming in at sixteen and six. Right behind them, we have Missouri at fourteen and seven. Wisconsin is sixteen and eight at number twenty-three. At number twenty-two, we have San Diego, who is seventeen and four. At number twenty-one, we have Loyola out of Illinois at nineteen and four. Arkansas is eighteen and five with a recent, actually with a win last night. We will get to in just a little bit. Uh, we have number nineteen U.S. 
see here at number, sorry, at 19 and 4. I think they're first place. Yes, they're at first place in the Pac-12 currently. At number 18, we have Texas Tech at 14 and 8. At number 17, we have Kansas at 17 and 8. At number 16, we have Virginia Tech at 14 and 5. At number 15, we have Virginia at 15 and 6. At number 14, we have Texas at 14 and 6. Uh, at number 13, we got Creighton at 17 and 5. At number 12, we have Houston at 18 and 3. At number 11, we have Florida State at 14 and 3. At number 10, we have West Virginia here at 16 and 6. At number 9, we have Iowa at 17 and 6. At number 8, we have Villanova at 15 and 3. At number 7, we have Oklahoma. They are 14 and 6. Uh, representing the B12, I believe they are second in that conference currently. Uh, at number 6, we have Alabama. They are 18 and 6. At number 5, we have Illinois, who is 16 and 6. Uh, we have at number 4, Ohio State, 18 and 5. Pretty solid football team. Pretty solid basketball team as well. Michigan, 16 and 1. At number 2, we have Baylor at 18 and 0. And at number 1, we have another undefeated here. It's undefeated here with Gonzaga at 22 and 0. I got a couple notes from the top 25, a couple takeaways. Um, Illinois did suffer a loss earlier in the week. Uh, they did, would lose uh, to, to Michigan State, um, 81-72. to 72. Illinois would just shoot 40% in that game from the field, 29% from three. Also struggled a bit from the free throw line at just 55%. They were outscored in the first half, 26-36, to 36, but would try to rally in the second half, outscoring the Spartans 46-43, to 43, but had 14 turnovers uh, in the ground. Grand scheme of things, I still think they are pretty much a lock. I don't think they're an automatic number one uh, seed, uh, but they are a. I would say uh, they do have a. They still have an automatic lock for the tournament. As far as the Big Twelve is concerned, sorry, the Big Ten, their conference is concerned. Uh, that I believe that keeps them at second. I believe Ohio State is a half game behind them because again, Ohio, uh, sorry, uh, Michigan was able to beat them earlier in the week. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, to Texas Tech and Virginia. These are a couple teams that are in some trouble. Uh, these teams have suffered three straight losses. losses. Uh, not only could these teams be put out of the top 25, I also believe that they are officially on the bubble. In my opinion, for both the teams to make the tournament, they would have to uh, win their conference championships respectively because they can't out right win their conference tournament at this uh, at this moment um and for texas tech they would need to also beat texas uh coming up this week as well i believe they have to play yes, they would have to play them tonight uh so that's another big uh big game tonight uh they will be going on the road i believe to face texas number 14 texas tonight that'll be an important game for them this is i believe they're nope because they do have a game against baylor too i believe so for texas tech they're they're their uh their route is a little bit more grueling, uh, but I think they're gonna have to win their way out and also win their conference uh, tournament. Uh, if they can win these two games, I believe they have to play Texas and I believe Baylor right after this. If they are able to get one of these games, uh, they might be able to to hold on to a spot. If they lose one or two or both of these games, I would have to say that the Red Raiders would need to win their conference tournament to make it to the turn to make it to the NCAA tournament. Let's talk about a couple teams that are on the rise. Uh, we have uh. 
we have San Diego State, of course. Uh, they are number 22 in the nation. Uh, they have eight straight wins, uh, and they have also two in the season over two this two wins this season over Pac-12 schools, Arizona and UCLA. Uh, they have the sixth-ranked defense in the nation, only allowing about 59 points per game. They are also seventh in defensive rating with 88.9. Uh, they average about eight over eight steals per game. That puts them at 35 in the nation, at 35th in the nation. Uh, but they can shoot as well. Uh, they lead their conference, the West. Uh, Mountain West Conference in three-point percentage, and they are also, uh, sorry, 17th in the overall in, in the nation, in the country, in terms of uh, three-point shooting at 38%. I believe they're almost about 50% in conference play, though. Uh, so, a couple more takeaways. Uh, we have Arkansas. They're on a five-game winning streak. We'll talk about their game versus... Uh, Alabama last night in just a second. We also got Creighton, Florida State, and Iowa uh, racking up four straight wins as well. Uh, Iowa has a chance for a fifth straight win tonight against Michigan. Uh, my views on the top three, uh, Gonzaga has made the most of an easy conference schedule with a tough early non-conference start with wins over number 17 Kansas, West Virginia. Uh, they got, sorry, they got a win over number 17 Kansas, number 10 West Virginia, number 9 Iowa, and also uh, number 15 Virginia. As for Baylor, they played a little bit of a softer non-schedule, but they have a more daunting, uh, you know, conference being in the Big 12, but they do have a December victory over number 5 Illinois. Like I said, Baylor plays in a much tougher conference being in the Big 12, so they do have top 25 wins over Kansas, uh, also uh, Texas, and also, and they also have a top 10 win over number 7, Oklahoma. Now, Michigan, on the other hand, has maintained the top spot in the Big 10 and rallied off five wins in a row despite an ever-changing schedule, of course, due to COVID postponements. Uh, despite a lackluster non-conference schedule, including Bowling Green and Toledo, in an early January loss to an unranked Minnesota, the Wolverines have two wins over number 23 Wisconsin and a recent win over their rival number four Ohio State. They have two major tests on the horizon. As of today, they will be facing Iowa. That should be tipping off actually right now. And they also uh, will be facing number five Illinois on March the 2nd. Uh, so as far as some scores from last night, uh, we had an upset in the ACC. Uh, Virginia, uh, they go down to unranked. Uh, North Carolina State 68 to 61. That was a final score for North Carolina State. They are 11 and 9. As we mentioned before, Virginia is 15 is 15 and 6. For North Carolina State, they were led by guard Cam Hayes. He would have 16 points and three rebounds. Forward Derek Funderburg would have 14 points and six rebounds. Guard Shaquille Moore would have 12 points and four rebounds as well. For Virginia, they were led by forward Sam Hauser, who would have 21 points, and forward Jay Huff, who would have 19 points and 11 rebounds. Like I said before, for Virginia, this was their third straight loss uh, in their last three outings. Uh, they've put up a total of 60 points. They've had 65 points and 61 points. This team's biggest thing is they play. They can play defense, but they cannot score above 65 or above 70 points. That is going to be their drawback, even if they make it to the tournament, uh, especially with shooting percentages last night of 37% from the field and also 38% from three. That is this team's biggest drawback. Um, and it's a shame because they play really good defense, but if they can 
cannot keep their team below 60 points, uh, it's very difficult for Virginia to pull off wins, even even within their conference. And uh, we also got number 11 Florida State that were in action last night against their in-state rival uh, Miami. Uh, they get the win in that one, 88 to 71. We also got Tennessee beating Vanderbilt, 70 to 58. Number. 25 Tennessee doing this thing. We also got Creighton getting it done against the Paul, uh, number 13 Creighton. Uh, 77 to 53 was the final score there for uh, DePaul. They were led by guard Charlie Moore and also Romeo Weems. They were both put up nine points. Uh, but for Creighton, uh, they were led by Christian Bishop. He would have. Uh, I believe uh, 20 points, two rebounds, and six rebounds. He also got help from guards um, Marcus Zagorowski and also Dan, uh, Denzel Mahoney. Both will put up 13 points as well. Finally, in the SEC matchup, uh, number 20 uh, Arkansas takes care of business against number six Alabama. 81 to 66 was the final score here. Uh, for Alabama, they were led by forward Jordan Burner, short sorry, Jordan Bruner. 14 points from him, six rebounds. Guard JVN Quinterly would have 13 points and four assists, as well as three rebounds. And guard John Petty would have 12 points, two assists, and two rebounds. For Arkansas, they were led by guard Marcus uh, Moses Moody, excuse me. 24 points from him, 20, uh, sorry, 24 points, four assists, and five rebounds. Forward Jalen Williams would have 13 points and eight rebounds. And guards Jalen Tate and J.D. Note would have 12 points each uh, with uh Jalen Tate, uh, sorry, with J.D. Note getting four assists and four rebounds on top of that. For Bama, they would shoot just 37% from the field and 33% from three. They also would struggle from the free throw line entirely, just 37%. And also, also, they were also outscored by uh, by Arkansas in the second half, 28-42. to 42. So a second-half surge from Arkansas. Um, they are in in the driver's seat, and I believe, I mean, with a win like this, I would na- I would kind of give them an automatic spot for the, for the NCAA tournament. Um, of course, they would probably have to, uh, you know, do pretty well in that conference tournament. We'll see how far they can go in that. But um, there we go. Uh, let's move on to some of the NBA. Uh, of course, uh, in the past week, we have had seen we have seen the rise of Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard, Dollar Dame. Uh, let's break that down a little bit. Now, so far this season, Lillard has uh, been dominant in crush time. Uh, he currently has over 70, uh, 75 points, shooting at about, well, actually about 80 points now, uh, shooting at about 60%, 56% from three, and 100% from the free throw line in the final five minutes of a game. Um, now, he's averaging on the year 29 points per game, over 29 points a game, of course, seven assists. Uh, he also averages over a steal and four rebounds on 44% shooting and 38% shooting from the field. Now, on the, se- on the seasons, the Blazers have just had, ha- they just have an 18 total point differential between their opponents. What I mean by that is they're scoring uh, about over 3,100 points, and their opponents are almost scoring about 3,100 points points uh so very slim point totals i think the other couple the other night they were blown out by um by the sun so uh, it's 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 very it's very ugly that point differential and that is a that is good enough for 29th in the league obviously like i said they've already had a i think they have a three game losing streak right now or at least a two game losing streak that they're riding right now uh that probably could even drop to last in the league at this point uh, the Blazers are also 29th in fourth quarter scoring because of, again, there's only one person scoring for them. Uh, the McCollum, uh, and this is because, I mean, apart, I mean, this is definitely because of McCollum and Nurkic being out. Uh, McCollum, because I, I believe when 
when Cullum and Nurkic were in the lineup, they were, I believe, like fourth, uh, I believe, or fifth place, something like that. Uh, now, for CJ, he is expected to miss at least another two more weeks. Let's say about another week and a half at this point. Uh, he's dealing with a foot fracture. Um now, uh, sorry, McCollum is having career highs in terms of uh, points per game this season uh, with 26.7. He's also having a career season in terms of assists with five. Also in steals as well. Uh, he's also shooting at 44% from three as well. So actually slightly better uh, than Dame from the three-point line. So, I mean, again, I mean, Dame is going to need all the help he can get. Again, they were, I think they rallied off about six, uh, six games last week. Um six games in a row last week, I believe, uh, without him. And, uh, well, without McCollum or, or Nurkic, like I said, they lost to the, the Suns the other night. It was a blowout. Um, I believe they lost uh, the game before that. And, you know, to be honest with you, you know, that's the nature of the beast. You are really just handicapped at this one player. I'm kind of surprised uh, that they were able to pull off that, that win streak. Um, it's very hard to do so uh, with just having, but that just goes to show you just how good Dame is. Is he MVP worthy? Is he worthy of the hype? As of now, yes. Uh, my biggest thing, though, because, again, um, this team is going to go up and down as long as Nurkic and McCollum are not around. We have another about a week and a half, like I said, without CJ. Um He'll definitely be able to help out Nurkic, same thing. I think Nurkic has about three more weeks left in with his sprained wrist, so they definitely need all their help, the, the help they can get. Uh, but like I said, they were able to rally about ten wins off, sorry, seven wins off uh, straight last week. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna take their lumps without their guys. Uh, I think that's the thing. If, if Lillard and whoever there for the Blazers, I mean, this is going to be, you know, Gary Trent, mostly Gary Trent and even uh, Carmelo helping out some too. Um, if they can minimize those losing streaks, um, you know, at least keep it to maybe one or, I mean, at least two games max, maybe three and just kind of just, hey, you know, we struggled a little bit. Uh, I think by the time, you know, McCollum, comes back they should be decent that's at least more points with McCollum uh, I'm not too sure if they have they're better defensively with just McCollum I think um you know Nurkic provides some defense at least under you know at the at the rim uh so you know this team wasn't that great defensively to be honest with you anyways with those guys so I mean they're gonna give up their games even without them definitely I just think if if they can stay at a consistent 500 pace, at least while he's got, at least for the next week or so, wait for McCollum to come, McCollum to come back. Um, I think after that, in the time after you know, you know, Nurkic comes back as well, that'll be definitely be the time for Dame to kind of show up and say, "Yes, I am the MVP guy." I kept the team kind of afloat, which he's doing. Again, they did suffer two losses in a row. I will give them that, but I think that's just the nature of what what the league is and what the Western Conference is. And you're not playing without your two best players, with two other of your best players. So like your second and your third. Uh, because Covington hasn't done shit yet. And until Covington, Covington do, does something, I'm a little bit concerned, um, to be honest with you. But, I mean, certain games, they'll have certain you know players step up. You know, you'll have Gary Trent Jr. Uh, put up about 25 points some nights. You'll have Carmelo have a turn the clock back type of game. You'll have uh, Derrick Jones Jr. getting double digits. A couple of players getting double digits. It's just, you're just going to need that happening a, a lot of nights, and you're going to need it, and you're going to need Dane to be on 100%. Does he have the gas? I hope so, uh, but my my biggest thing is if he wants to truly win that MVP MVP t uh, title, 
this year in particular, he's going to have to do well even when McCollum and, and Nurkic come back. He's going to have to st- – okay, okay, you guys are back. We're okay. He has to even go even harder just to make sure that they make it because I think they could still do it. I mean, they're in the mix now. I think they're, they're fourth place as we as we, as we we literally as we're speaking right now. They're fourth or fifth, pl- fifth place in the West, so they're not terribly off. Um, but um, – you know they could be better uh, with you know with what they're missing and you know um, this would be a good showcase. I think the the next half of the season with again I think it's a good showcase of what Dame is doing now, of course. But uh, you give him his two star players back, um, you give them a real you know a real path to the playoffs, and you see them make it. Then I could then I could really say yes, Dame. You definitely earned it because I, I think, you know, at this point in time, it's easy to say that right as of today because of what Portland's having to go through. But if Portland misses the playoffs, you know, what do you say? I mean, I know what the media, I already know what the media is going to say. I know the media is going to give him a hard time if, he, if they may, if they miss the playoff by a few games despite him balling his ass off. I can see it now. So I think it would behoove him to, to I mean, to ball off as much as he can now, but but know that he can't even lay off his his foot off the gas even when Lillard, I mean, sorry, McCollum and uh, Nurkic do come back. Um, another big story from the NBA I wanted to break down a little bit is the saga that's going down right now in Cleveland, uh, referring with Andre uh, Drummond. Now, the team has decided to uh, basically remove him from the starting lineup. They're trying to work out a trade from him because, of course, he doesn't work with Jared Allen. The Cavs will have, uh, well, the Cavs have had Drummond, you know, travel with the team, but he won't play any of the games. Currently averaging 17 points this this year, 13.5 rebounds. Allen, on the other hand, is averaging 13 points a game and just seven rebounds. He does average a block. So I'm almost like, well, why not trade Allen and not Drummond? I guess Allen has more of the upside because he's younger. Uh, Cleveland, you know, is in the midst of losing and, you know, in and out of losing. Um, You know. It's unfortunate, of course. A lot of the players are speaking out words, speaking out against what was happening to him. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know why he would be tra- traded. Any, I guess because he's older than Allen. I guess the the feeling is that Allen has the you know the bigger potential. But again, I mean, Drummond scores more than him. He gets way more re- he gets more rebounds than him. I'm not too sure what the big. I mean, why you would want to trade at somebody who gets double digit rebounds again and double. I mean, definitely scores almost 20 points a game. I mean, that's that's crazy, y'all. I I I I don't understand it. Um, yeah, I don't get it, y'all. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take another quick break, and when I come back, I'll be going over some NFL news. Uh, just going over some of the, the recent trades, and then I'm gonna go over some rumors as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. Let's talk about the Wentz trade for a little bit. Of course, Carson Wentz gets traded to the Indianapolis Colts last week. Two draft picks. Uh, we're looking at a second round, no, a third round draft pick this year and a conditional second round pick for the next year that could turn into a first rounder. I don't know what what it takes for that to happen. That's not that important. Um. Oh, well, 
it'll be it will be decided based on um, Carson Wentz's playing time. So uh, what that means is Wentz needs to play seventy five percent of the Colts' offensive snaps uh, next season. Uh, of course, that means in twenty twenty one for the 2022 conditional pick to become a first-round draft pick. Hmm. Okay. And this is, of course, via ESPN. Because, you know, I don't say nothing without the fact. I got to have my shit correct. I'm not trying to be like the bruh Matthew Judah had to call out. Judon had to call out, you know, talking about he going to expose him to his wife. I don't play that game. You get mad at my sources. Don't get mad at me, bruh. Anyway, um, how do I feel about this trade? Well, the I, I don't know if there's a, is there if there's a winner in this trade per se. Really gets uh gets rid of a quarterback that they you know feel that they can't get over the hump with because you know of course they feel like they got Jalen Hurts anyways they have they sorted their well they you know they have they drafted their you know I guess their quarterback of the future. The problem is with that is I don't feel like they got a whole lot out of it. They got a third round pick, definitely for this year. Uh, they could get a, a well. They got a second round pick that can turn into a first round pick if Carson Wentz can stay on his feet for seventy five. Well, at least play in seventy five percent of his games or seventy five percent of the snaps next season. Is it possible that that he can do that? I think the the Colts have a much better offensive line than the Eagles. That is possible. Um, with that being said, for back to the Eagles, they still got to pay thirty five remain thirty five million dollars that was remaining for his contract. Oh, they they have to cover some of the cost of his contract at least, which is about thirty five million or thirty three million. I was hearing. So you know, Philly still has to pay on him. Philly, you know they you know they trade him away, but then they got a rookie or a second year quarterback who's you know hey. You know, we don't know what we're going to be getting from him. He wasn't that much better than Wentz. So, I don't think they won, won it, won the, won, you know, won the trade. Because, again, what, what are we going to be drafting? Okay, so if, if, if you know, Jalen Hurts falls flat on, his, flat on his face next year, I guess they have a first-round draft pick for a quarterback. But, you know, that's after the draft with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Who knows who's coming up after that draft class? Like, I don't I couldn't even tell you. I can't tell you right now. Um, maybe um uh Keaton Slovis, if he's not already available now, if he hasn't already, you know, made himself available for this draft, um uh, maybe uh what's the guy coming out of Georgia? Um JT Daniels, possibly. I didn't even think he's on the on on the transfer mend again. I could be wrong about that, but I don't know who 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 would be the quarterback if if Jalen Hurts would have failed. So they gotta kind of hope he 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 comes through so they can use that pick for something else, maybe for their defense or a wide receiver or something. Uh, as far as the Colts are concerned, um, I mean they get a decent quarterback. The problem with Carson Wentz, he does not play a lot healthy. And uh, he played a full year last season, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, they, well, until they pulled him. Uh, at least, you know, not a season in which he was he had to miss a whole lot of time because of injury or he didn't play at all because of injury. Um, he didn't really look that awesome last year. So, I mean, again, he's owed a lot of money on his contract. Philly is going to chip in with that. 
but you are stuck with that contract. You do have a you do have a quarterback. I mean, but you could have had a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I, I think he's a he's a solid NFL starting quarterback. That's my opinion. Uh, I mean, you didn't have to pay him that much. You could have put you could have got Jacoby Brissett and put some pieces around him. Uh, maybe another wide receiver since you're losing T. Y. Hilton. I mean, come on, uh, get yourself a tight end or something. Um, I don't know what to make of this trade here. Um, I don't really see a winner in this one. Um, Carson Carson Wentz needed to play so he could play, I guess. Philly didn't want him no more. They were willing to go on with Jalen Hurts. Um, as far as the Colts are concerned, I mean, they, they got a quarterback, even though they had one who could potentially start it for them. Um, and they got one who's decent. That's, I mean, he's, that's all I can really say about him. He's, he's decent. He's a good size. Uh, he may or may not have a good arm. I never really got a chance to see it. I don't watch too much of the Eagles play. They're not my team. And, you know, even, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, I catch enough of their highlights to kind of get an idea. I watch some of their games, but enough to know that Carson Wentz, I mean, I, I mean, Hey, I, I don't think that I'll say this. I don't think the Colts got a prize. I'll say that much. All right, let's talk a little bit about these rumors uh, going on in the league right now. Russell Wilson, he has made it. Well, he hasn't made it official that he's he wants a trade. He hasn't demanded that trade, uh, but he's revealed to the Seahawks. And this is this is according to you know ESPN sources, NFL close insiders, that he has revealed a few teams that he'd be willing to go to, and this includes the Raiders and the Jets. Why is it that the Raiders are always coming up in these these these? possible destinations for these quarterbacks i mean again did you not see what matt stafford went went for i mean he hadn't even won a playoff game and he went for two fucking draft picks i already know what motherfucker was gonna want for deshaun watson what do you be willing to pay that price i i know what a motherfucker's gonna want for russell wilson do you think, like, I don't know if anybody can cover that price. I mean, that's crazy to me, like, for real. And he's not the only, you know, player being linked to the Raiders. You're also hearing about wide receiver Allen Robinson possibly wanting to be, you know, part of the Raiders. I get that one. I would definitely make a move on him right away, especially with us cutting Terrell Williams. Uh, but I just see, you know, I just don't know the, the, the proper price or the proper value for somebody like Russ Wilson. And, I mean, if he, I mean, it's it's been stated that he would want to play for Gruden. What does that say? Like, man, have we been looking down on Gruden for no reason? Have we been really giving him a hard time for no reason? Like, is he just a product of just his situation right now? I don't know. I mean, that's hard to say. Um, I don't know how we will pull it. I mean, for for Vegas, I don't know how they pull it off with the salary cap. The salary cap that we have right now. I don't see how that could work. I don't see how it could work with Deshaun Watson. That's me. Unless Derek Derek Carr is a part of the deal as well. So, um, would I be excited to see that? I mean, again, we don't necessarily have a great offensive line either. Um, our running game is adequate with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker uh being your second uh your you know, your second in command there. Our wide receivers took a dip, although they weren't. You could make an argument that they weren't all that, although you had uh, Nelson Aguilar, you know, pretty much overperforming. I don't know if you'll get that from him again. Of course, you still got Clive Waller, but that's all you got in terms of people you can throw the ball to. 
Our offensive line is shaky. Of course, you had Trent Brown underperforming this year. Uh, you had Richie Incognito out for a lot of the year. Uh, so who knows uh, personally what this offense can can give him, somebody like him. And if he's already having issues with Seattle, I mean, come on. He's not going to like playing in, in Vegas either with that offensive line right now. Um, I, I think the Raiders need to – I mean, if we really wanted to ever be serious about taking in a quarterback like that, we would have to do a lot more with our team around him first. Um and having and having a, already a, a franchise quarterback there, I, I think you know disrupts that already. So, um, is it possible that that could happen? Yes, but um, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. As a Raider fan, as a non-Raider fan, don't hold your breath on it. Don't hold your breath on it, y'all. All right, y'all. Before I let y'all go, I want to share something with you guys. Now, I'm pretty sure you know with a YouTube crowd or they. The alternate, I don't know. Well, look, you know what I like to look at? Theories behind cartoon shows. Why? Well, simple as this. I look at all these cartoons. Uh, some, Well, many of these cartoons, you have your own you know, opinions about them. You grew up with them. I, it's like a, it's, I, don't, I, I don't know the right term to say, but it's very interesting to me to kind of hear people's other people's you know thoughts about a show or how they think that this show came about i mean there's so many you know intriguing thoughts you have to look at you have to really think about damn where does this person you know where is this person coming from where is their head at when they come up with this type of stuff so again we're talking i mean again we're talking about theories we're talking about why i mean okay for example the rugrats right we already know tommy chucky the little babies they was talking Angelica, all that stuff, adventures, right? What I'm saying, what I mean by this is, you got people that are saying, okay, we know, we know what we saw, you know, babies on adventures, talking to each other, all type of, you know, stuff, using their imaginations, all this crazy stuff. Now, what if I told you, and I'm pretty sure you've seen these videos, you've heard this stuff before, what if I told you that the reasoning behind all this was because Angelica made the babies up in her head? Right. Crazy, right? Now, According to the theory, all the babies are dead. And in a another variation of the story, all the babies are dead and Angelica's pretty much schizo, right? So, like I said, Angelica made all the babies up in their head and their backstories, right? All in her head, according to the theory. So, we go back, we talk about the kids a little bit. So, not only did Chucky's mom die, but so did Chucky. That's why Chaz, the dad in the show is always an emotional wreck. He's always tripping and all that, right? Now, Tommy, again, it's all according to this to this theory right here, right? He is born, stillborn, right? And this would lead to Drew, uh, sorry, his dad, Stu, breaking down, continuously making, making toys for the rest of his life, trying to fulfill the void of the son that never came, right? Okay, then you got Betty and Howard. These are Phil and Lil's mom. They reportedly had an abortion again. This is not what happened. This is not truly what happened in the show. We're just saying this is what somebody, you know, believes this to be the origins of everything, right? Okay, so Angelica didn't know the sex of the baby, so she just imagined them to be twins. Like I said, to get it gets a little bit darker, right? With uh, the the with you know, remember Cynthia the doll? Now that's supposed to be a manifestation of Angelica's real mom, who was, uh, of course, Drew's first wife. She was a heroin addict, 
That's why her hair is all fucked up. That's why, you know, Angelica can't let her go. All type of shit. Now, uh, it's also stated in here that Drew's wife, Charlotte, was actually a gold digger. Bossy, maniacal, so on and so forth. And uh, it kind of goes on into saying that, you know, she would also beat up on a deal. That's why he had mental issues, stuff like that. And uh, she pretty much made herself go crazy by the time she was 18 years old. She ended up doing, experimenting with drugs too, all type of shit, right? And there's a couple of little theories about this show, by the way, but I'm going to talk about why I kind of just, like, it's interesting as hell when I first listened to it and it was so dark and everything. And, um, and don't get me wrong, it's very interesting the first time you listen to it. But even my first time around, I was just like, it, it don't make all, I mean, it sounds deep, it sound, again, but if you look at the course of the show, you're like, how does that really, how would that ever really make sense? Because the reason why I never really like, I mean, I, again, I like the way, I mean, I like the darkness of it. I like the fact that it is creative, but I'm like, there's many parts of the show or there's many episodes of that show where Angelica ain't even a factor. Now, again, this has led to me actually recently just deciding to myself that I'm going to be redoing a, uh, doing a review on this show. So look out for it. Cause I want to get into all this and kind of explain to you what I mean. Actual examples of why I don't think that that could ever be the case. Um, and I'm also going to break down another theory to you guys, uh, before I break down my own theory about this show as well. Uh, but, um, there's an episode, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but when Phil and Lil, uh, they are in this commercial, like, uh, they are, they're in this, you know, they're in the studio, they get into all this wacky ass shit, of course they get into shit, they're mischievous, and they call, they run them up, Angelica does not show up at all in that episode, there's many episodes in which Angelica does not show up, and I don't care how deep your imagination is, I, I, it's very hard for me to really come up, really really see that somebody is developing all these stories in their heads about motherfuckers who they not even really involved with like that. Like they cannot, I mean, cause yeah, I mean, there's many episodes in which Angelica don't even show up. So how could she it even be about all that? And as far as, um, Charlotte, the mom, at least the mom that we see on TV, we've seen her at her job. We've seen her put in some work. We see, I don't know. We don't know exactly what she does. We know that she works for a high profile, like at least a corporation, uh, she works in a fancy office. She, you know, she bombasts, she bombasts her, uh, her under lackey, Jonathan. So she gets down. Like, I don't know about her being some gold digger or nothing like that. I can't necessarily agree with that. Um, so that one is, is dark. I mean, that one's just for the kind of sake of, oh, just kind of, I think that one might just even be for the sake of putting something together. And again, because if you hear it and you hear, you know, see little videos about it, the way that they're presenting, the way that all the presenter is shooting it, and just the way that they speak on it, oh, it's all deep and dark. I get it, but at the same time, it just that it just kind of is too un, un, unrealistic for me. Um, here's another theory about the Rugrats. Now, the personalities of the children are based on the attention or the treatment that they receive from their parents. For example, uh, Angelica, she's domineering pretty much a prima donna because she's being relatively left alone by her parents at least emotionally in terms of a connection um she's just pretty much given material gifts from her dad and she has almost no real connection with charlotte um she's pretty much just spoiled and coddled whenever she's also uh getting into trouble so there's no real discipline for her so again she's just kind of allowed to be whatever so she just carries that 
Um, as for Phil and Lil, their parents, Betty and Howard, they're, you know, they're hardly ever around. They're always uh, pretty much at Tommy's house being watched over by Stu and or Dee Dee. Uh, the twins have their own way of finding their own friend. I mean, their own fun, you know, like I said, through mischief, mischief, mischief you know, um, they like to be dirty and destructive. And again, um, also finally for Chucky, uh, he experiences massive trauma because of losing his mom early and probably just because his dad being an emotional wreck as well. This kind of I I kind of get this one a lot better because it kind of makes sense because if you look at it, um, for what it's worth, Betty and Howard literally do leave Phil and Lil at Stu and Dee Dee house all the time, and uh, you there's every so often in that series you will have seen the Devilles the the Devilles ever look after anybody else's kids. Um, as far as Angelica and her situation is concerned, that actually, I mean it does make this one makes a lot more sense because if you think about it. She ain't got no relationship with Charlotte like that. They don't talk too much like that. They don't hang out like that. You don't see too many episodes. I don't think there's a whole lot of episodes with just about or showcase with him or uh, her or Angelica and Charlotte and with Drew and Angelica. Like, they don't really bond that much either. But, you know, she's always in a situation where she's acting out, where she's begging for something, and they do kind of coddle to her. As far as Chucky is concerned, his dad is nervous. His dad is timid as fuck. He's timid as fuck. He lives around that. So I could kind of see it. I mean, I could kind of see this this uh, this theory making a lot more sense. Me personally, what I feel about the Rugrats is, um, well, again, this is why I really want to get into a review about it uh, just some more. But um, I actually kind of saw a documentary about um, the creators of the show, Klasky Supko, uh, and they were actually married at the time that they made this show, hence the hits their production company being Klasky Suko that you know that was their uh joint venture together and they actually um I can't I think the the woman's name the wife's name was class her last name was Klasky I don't know I can't think of her name right now her first name but at this time she was uh dealing with childhood as well she was raising children as well I believe when they first came up with the story concept she was just getting pregnant and and raising her children um, and all that again I'll go into this much deeper when I finally do the upon further review segment for this on YouTube but um, you know I personally believe that this was a you know an attempt by parents and I think the people that worked with them were parents um, this was an attempt kind of for like parents to kind of to kind of put that out there you know in a in a show like you kind of see childhood development in front of you uh, you kind of see uh, the baby like the Tommy the you know it's still in the diaper. He's crawling. He might be the leader of the gang, but again, he's the baby. And then you see, you know, uh, the terrible tooth with Chucky. He's more emotional. He's more, he, he, he expresses more of his, his feelings than you have feeling Lil, the twins. They are twins. You know, that is diff, that is you know, unique to the childhood situation. You have two beings there. And then you have Angelica, who is the oldest. She is a toddler, pretty much. She's about four or five years old. So she has those, you have those life uh, stages in front of you. And then you have Susie's whole family that we haven't, you know, mentioned too much, but she's a part of this as well because her whole family, she has a whole family unit as opposed to these, these kids, except for the DeVille's kind of just having, you know, the, each other. Susie has a whole household with two parents at home together. 
Um, and they're and they're a different dynamic than anybody else's relationship in the show because as Chaz, he's a single individual until Kenny shows up in this, the newer episodes. Uh, you see the Devilles, they have a they have a relationship, but you cannot you if you into it, you can kind of see even back then where they kind of had this. They were almost making fun of you know the women's empowerment movement, basically look looking at it like yeah, Betty is is this woman's empowerment. She's very liberal. She's very uh woman focus a feminist focus but again she doesn't really raise her kids that well and she pretty much emasculizes uh, emasculizes Howard you can see that even as a kid you're like oh man Howard's getting punked like you like oh man in little ways you know of course on the TV you know they can't really show you all that on the cartoon but the adults they know <laughs> they know you and you and you, well, you know you know that the adults picked up on something when you're watching it with them, when they start to laugh and you kind of not getting it, they kind of, oh, and you explain, they kind of explain it to you later, like, oh, okay. So, um, you know, I, I personally believe you see in different family dynamics, you see different, uh, childhood stages of childhood. That is my, uh, personal theory about it. Again, like I said, like I said, I will begin into a, upon further review of this entire series so we can kind of get to the bottom of this because I think there's a couple more little theories about this show, but this is what's kind of sparked my interest because there's a couple more uh, theories about shows I wanted to just talk about a little bit as well. But uh, going into Scooby Doo, this one has a very interesting theory as well. Now, according to it all, uh, the show takes place after an economic recession or depression uh, where businesses are closing or closed and people are losing their jobs left and right and uh, people out of the norm are pretty much pulling these capers I, like you know professors musicians curators and also celebrities so on and so forth now this one actually you know it seems like it makes a lot of sense as well on the surface but i actually decided to just go look at some Snoopy doo again and I think it makes sense when people, you know, on this, like, again, I think it makes sense when you kind of say it, but if you look at it and you look at some of their, you know, their capers or kind of like some of the plots of their shows, a lot of cases, you know, they're traveling. I mean, it's a mystery gang. They're traveling to these places. They're out and about, um, you know, in terms, like I just saw this one episode the other night where they were like, they went to this deserted island. So it's not like, I, I don't believe it's a recession. I just kind of believe that they're already into kind of those mysterious hauntings or those haunted places that they're already going to go there anyways, just to kind of see what it's about. I don't think that there, it was any type of recessions, but I think it might be, you know, a old, like cause some of the places that they would go to would just be old, run down places. I don't think that's a result of it recently shutting down or economic, but just, it was just an old place that they heard about. And that's what they do. They investigate the shit. They investigate mysteries. And as far as the celebrities or professors, professors being the ones behind it, I think it's unique because I think, um, in terms of, if you looked at the show, in terms of what some of those capers involved, in terms of what some of those, those disguises involved, who else? Who else would you figure to be? Who else would you figure to be a haunted night, other than a museum curator, somebody who's around, you know, night suits or round night armor? Who else would you be? Who else would be around? Because there was this other episode of this uh, celebrity freaking uh, magician I was watching, and he's watching over this, you know, deserted island where there was this treasure he was trying to find, and he was scaring people off the island. But it turned out that that's why he was doing it because there was a treasure. There wasn't no real ghost. Wasn't no real nothing really too much 
into it. There's nothing too much outside of, oh, this cele- this this freaking magician, he finds out about this gold treasure on this island. He's been scaring people away for all this time to try to find it himself. Really, what's what 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 it break what it boils down to is, you know, people, <laughs> you know, the mystery the mystery game pursue shit, they investigate shit. And motherfuckers pull off capers from all backgrounds. I think that's what Scooby-Doo shows us. <laughs> all right, now, moving on to the final show. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I like this one a lot. Um, I actually, I give a lot of credence to this one. Um, actually, I want to break this one up a little bit, too, uh, because I, 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 well, let me just go ahead and just get into it. Um, this one basically states that the cul-de-sac is purgatory. Um, that the, all the guys, all the kids, the Ed, Ed, Eddie squad is dead. The Eds, all the friends around them in the, in the, the suburb, well, in the cul-de-sac, they have died. Cul-de-sac, like I said, is actually cursed. The spirits are true. The shooting are spirits, uh, pretty much to, to be doomed to wander there. The deaths of the kids range from the 1900s to the early 2000s. Now, a couple of these deaths, like Roth, he was the first kid to come to the area around 1900. And he was there with his family to run a farm. He died three years after arriving when animals uh, would stampede and trample him. Now, in the afterlife, the show, he's only seen with a few animals. So, um, there you go. For Eddie, he would come in uh, the cul-de-sac via New York during the Great Depression. He spent the majority of his time trying to scam the other neighborhood kids. One of his scams would go too far one day. He's chased out of the uh, neighborhood into the lake where he would jump into it, eventually drowning. Uh, as for Ed and his sister Sarah, they were moving to the neighborhood after World War II. Uh, they uh, pretty much were disconnected from their mother after their father died in the war. She was just not there absent. Um, and they would also die in a car crash in 1953. Uh, so he got double D as well. He was killed by an explosion caused by a gas leak by a Bunsen burner he had. So pretty much there's a death story to all these kids. Um and pretty much that they are in purgatory now and i think it's really hard to really say uh if that's the case only for the simple fact of what purgatory is purgatory is a state in which these people are waiting to be kind of well they've made their sins of they made their sins throughout their life and they are recounting for that um this is a period in the afterlife in which they are being preserved for heaven or being made right for heaven. Um, this is a kid's show, guys. <laughs> I think you're taking it a little bit too far because um, there's also a little bit of added uh, to it that the Kanker sisters, they are, you know, supposed to be these demons. And don't get me wrong. I I, I mean, it, there's basis for why I believe it would be made. Something like this would be for, for a comment like this or a theory like this be made. Of course, there's no parents in the cul-de-sac that you can visually see they're internally in summer although there's episodes in which they're they've been in school uh there's evidence you know in double d's case that somebody's watching them telling them what to do there's an episode in which there's like a bunch of posts remember that episode there's a bunch of posts and notes everywhere in this house we know somebody in there um but again if we were to go there you got to understand what purgatory is like it's easy to say oh this is purgatory but purgatory involves it's a, it's a process um, and you don't see that process being happening on that show because they con- they are completely continually. I mean, because if that's the case, you know, Eddie would be trying to be not scamming everybody. Like he's literally still scamming everybody every day, despite him, you know, wanting to want to go to heaven or something like that. Because that's what purgatory is. So you can't say it's purgatory. 
it doesn't make any sense. I see how kind of that kind of sounds confusing, because purgatory in purgatory the whole point is for your spirit to be uplifted and be made like I said be made right for heaven. This is you know I'm not a Christian or a Catholic, but this is where those sayings and those those beliefs are coming from. That's who came up with those things. Um, do I feel like it's some sort of the afterlife? No. Um, I think for a lot of these shows, there's a lot more we can get into. Uh, but I think people are just having fun. <laughs> I don't take too too much of of all this too 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 much verbatim. Um, I think the really interesting thing is how they go into how each of these characters passed away. Um, I think that's the very interesting. That's the most interesting things about this theory in particular, because uh, they get into all the characters and how um, you know they ended up here. But as far as it being a purgatory or an afterlife situation. No, I, I think it's just, uh, you know, animators and, you know, the makers of the show uh, deliberately, you know, this is a story of, about kids. Um, so they deliberately, you know, you know, exiting the parents out of the equation. That's them deliberately. That doesn't mean that to say that they're not existing, but in, in the, the kids mind and in that eternal summer, there is that much. There isn't that much parental supervision. They're not around a whole lot, especially if you have parents who work. So, and I'm, that's suburb, that's suburb USA of America. That show is, is pretty much an animation version of what you would see in the suburbs. <laughs> so nothing too much different. All right, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Um, I really went in today. Uh, maybe I can do that more often, uh, depending on if y'all like it or not. But, um, as far as what else I got, go as far as what else I got going on, uh, on the YouTube, uh, I am working on a couple new projects. I want to get into some geography. I want to do that. Um, I also got, um, well, I was, th I've been thinking about some, some Martin Lawrence related, related projects, uh, recently. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to hone in on. So, uh, remember how I had a Will Ferrell week last year? Uh, well, I'm just going to turn around and make it Martin Lawrence month and, uh, all throughout March is going to be Martin Lawrence, uh, I might start off with Martin. I might start off with his early 2000s movies. Uh, uh, you know, a little segment on that. Um, I don't know exactly when I'm going to start off yet, but prepare for March to be Martin Lawrence month. Um, as far as what else I got going on on the podcast, um, I want to come back tomorrow night, maybe Saturday, go over some co more college basketball with you guys, uh, go over some news that's going on, and uh, we'll see what happens between now and the next time I show up for the podcast. But as far as what else I got going for the YouTube, I'll try to put something else on, at, out at the top of the week. Like I said, I've just been going through things uh, with since my grandmother. My great-grandmother has passed. So uh, thank you for all the people who have reached out to me and uh, gave me your best wishes and your condolences. Uh, that means a lot to me, y'all. Um, thank you. Um, as far as my personal situation is going, I'm fine. Um, I've decided to, to reconsider a truck. I'm going to be looking at a midsize or a full size sedan. So that means, uh, Ford Taurus, Ford, X, uh, Ford Fusion. Those are my top choices right now. I also been looking at a Chevy Malibu. If anybody, again, if you're a real one, you've been listening, um, feel free to give me any type of suggestions for a car. Even a truck, I'm still open to it. Or an SUV, I'm still definitely open to it. Uh, but uh, yeah, y'all. So I'm I'm just focusing, just trying to get some paper together and uh, trying to uh, get this channel off the ground. Still, well, yeah, get it get it up and going. 
Um, so if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Facebook uh, at Never Out of Bounds. You can also follow me on Instagram uh, at Ljama791, E-L-J-A-M-A-H 791. You can also uh, listen to this podcast uh, via Apple as well as Spotify on top of Anchor. Uh, and like I said, I do have a YouTube channel out with the same name, Never Out of Bounds. Uh, check out my news video uh, on uh it's an upon further review for Black History Month. Cooley High is a news review I got out right now. Take a look at that. Look at that, y'all. Um, yeah, I'm just out here doing my thing. If you need to get in touch with me, do so. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I will holler at all you guys later.